0: Welcome to People's Church Podcast. This morning I want to speak on uh, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. This is one of the many, many prophecies in the book of uh, Isaiah about Jesus coming to earth. In fact, uh, there's only one book that has more prophecies about Jesus coming to earth in Isaiah and that is the book of Psalms. Um, And there's so many amazing prophecies in this book and I want to look at some of them today. In the context of Home at Last, when you think about these prophecies to a nation that was within a hundred years, two hundred years of actually losing their homes. But the reminder is that there's still hope and that the Messiah was coming. Uh, It all began with a tragic circumstance in the country. And uh, this is Isaiah's call. It says in the scripture, Isaiah 7-6, it was in the year King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord. That's a, that's a big headline for King Uzziah dying. Um, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. It, their nation had been somewhat destabilized. Uzziah had been sick for a number of years. Co leading with him was Jotham, his son. He had passed away. And now Uzziah dies, and along comes Ahaz. And here's what uh, Isaiah said before uh, the throne of God. He said, then I said, it's all over, I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. He had seen the Lord, I forgot to read the end of the other verse. I saw the Lord, he was sitting on a lofty throne in the train of his robe Filled the temple, and he said, "I'm a, I'm, I'm doomed. I'm a, I, I'm undone. I'm a sinful man. I, I have filthy lips, and I live amongst the people who have filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of Heaven's armies. It's only by grace, and uh, that Isaiah got to see these Heaven's armies. Somehow, he was chosen, and he said, and." Uh, he was chosen for a refining process. I am a man of filthy lips. Then it says, and one seraphim flew to me with a burning coal. He had taken that, that off the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched my lips. Now, now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. So he was, t- he was touched. This chosen prophet of God was touched. And his guilt and his shame was removed. He didn't do this afterwards. He didn't run away and, and say, well, what am I going to do? He had a growing feeling of the need of God's grace in his life and for him to do something. He said, here, he, said here, he said, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Whom will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. This is the real depth of his surrender. God called for a messenger, and Isaiah said, here I am, here I am, or here, here am I, or here I am. Before he even knew the message, uh, the content of the message, he said, here I am. Here's an interesting thing. Forgiveness forgiveness frees us to take God's message. uh, And to go without even, actually even like it says here, even before knowing the message. It takes us, forgiveness takes us to a depth of surrender. Where we can lay ourselves out before God and say, I needed that. Uh, Isaiah said, I'm a man of filthy lips and I need it. I need forgiveness. And he received a very, uh, very, very extreme visit from God. The depth of surrender, I think, is a fundamental factor. In, in, in with forgiveness. It's a very fundamental factor. Isaiah had a tremendous purpose and as God's prophet, God's voice for the time. Now I want you to think about this this morning. The purpose that we have in our lives is only as effective as, as good to as good as the surrender in our lives. And I think this is the question, the tension in, the, in Christian life and Christian living. Here I am. Make me comfortable. No. It's not that, is it? It's here I am. Use me, Lord. Take me wherever you need me to go. And it's a, it's a tension in the Christian life. And not only take me wherever I need to go, because we think, well, oh, you're going to go far away. But you're just going to go be at home. You're just going to be at home sometimes. God may have another plan for your life. He may take you somewhere. But he says, he says, here am I, send me. It's not this. Well, Lord, if you need me, you've got my number. Lord, if you need me, you know where I live. If you need me, um, I'll be around. That's not the way Isaiah saw it. Here I am, send me. This is one of the greatest prophets in the book of the Bible, the Old Testament. Um, I think if you read through the book of Isaiah, and you should, as you read through it, you'll find out how uh, much God used Isaiah in Forthtelling, prophesying about things like the Messiah, uh, going before kings and letting them know this is the word of God for you, king. And similarly, God called each one of us for a purpose. Let me ask you this morning, what are the greatest matters or the greatest things that God has entrusted to you? See, it's not just about uh, making a plan and just kind of working it out yourself, kind of be more strategic. Here's one thing One thing uh, we sometimes hear in the Christian life. Well, just try harder. Just try harder to be surrendered. That's not, that's not it at all. Isaiah did not try harder to be surrendered. Isaiah met with God at his altar had his life cleansed, his lips, I don't know what that would have been like, you know. Maybe had, you may have had a sunburn and burned your lips, but the coal off the altar. I think it's, I don't know. I mean, God protected him from what it would, how it would sear him, but I, I guess, we well, you know, because he did, he did talk a lot after this. Uh, but it's, it's the idea of having your lips touched by God, so that you can bring God's message. It's not about making your own plans. And Well, I'll do your, I'll do your will, God, but uh, I'll do, I, I need to be selective. I have a, your selective will that I'm going to do. I'll do this, but don't ask me to do that. I'll do this, but don't ask me to do that. So on and so on and so on. Here's the thing that's really interesting. If you are surrendered, not on your own steam or your own ability, if you are surrendered, it will happen. God will ask you. And then the reply, I hope, is here I am. Uh, Jesus said in the garden just hours before he went to the cross, fully as a man, remember, He said, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Dad. You know, all things are possible for you. If all, all things are possible for you, remove this cup. Remove what I'm facing, please. Yet, not what I will, but your will be done. That's the same call of Isaiah. And that's the same call for the Christian. Not what I will, but that your will be done. In these days, when we see our world the way it is, that's a call. Lord, not my will, but your will be done in my neighborhood, with my family, uh, where you call me, in my job, in my work, in every opportunity. Here's the deal, and you you probably know this. Christmas is all about surrender. It's all about surrender. Here's a, a, a scripture that Paul wrote to the Philippians. It really talks about Jesus' surrender. He says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he created the heavens and earth with God, the word God spoke the word, and the heavens were created, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, as Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling on to. So, you know, he came to to earth as a man. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Can you imagine? we We don't really know what heaven is like, but... I mean, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave, as our servant, when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Here's a quote by Andrew Murray. A, wrote about 60 books. Was, uh, actually out of South Africa, but it was Scottish. Um, it says, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. Whew. Doesn't that, isn't that a freeing statement? But that's really, that's what the scripture says. Isaiah was fully yielded to him. And God fully used him and had his back, so to speak. So with that power and that grace in Isaiah's life, he didn't hesitate to go and carry that message. Now here's the background of his next step was... This war was brewing. Uh, a nation by the name of Aram got together with northern, the northern kingdom of Israel, which were the brothers, the, the, the literal brothers of, of uh, the nation of Judah, where Isaiah is and Ahaz is becoming their king. They got together with a plan to invade, to destroy Judah. And, this is, and God tells Ahaz to go tell, God tells Isaiah to go tell Ahaz to take care, that he should take care and be calm and have no fear. They're coming in on him. And God, but then God speaks to Ahaz. This is, this is really important. He says to Ahaz, this time he said, ask for a sign from God. Ask anything. Be extravagant. Ask for the moon. But Ahaz said, I'd never do that. I'd never make demands like that on God. This is God speaking to Ahaz and Ahaz is, is uh, speaking back to him that way. I'd never make demands like that on God. Here's the thing, deal with Ahaz, he'd seen the obedience in, in, in the life of his grandfather, Uzziah, of his dad, Jotham, Jotham sorry, as, his, as he co-led with Uzziah, the nation. But here's an amazing contrast between Isaiah's obedience and Ahaz's obedience. And this is the, this is the, the decision of obedience, different decisions they made. Remember before uh, Isaiah knew the content of the message he needed to bring, he had already planned to go. It was kind of like when your wife says, says jump, you say how high on the way up, right? No, but it is an immediate obedience. It's an immediate following. It's immediate doing. Even before he knew, he didn't even know what he was going to be called to do. He didn't know he was going to be called to write the whole book of Isaiah with all these wonderful, and we're going to look at a few more of them this morning, with all these wonderful things that he told, uh, that he was telling about God and saying about God 700 years before the Messiah, Jesus, ever came to earth. And with... Unbelievable accuracy. See, with Ahaz, God spoke to him. said, ask anything. And he's just, he's just kind of, well, you can't see his face on here, but you can kind of understand. He's just kind of deadpan. Have you ever talked to somebody or asked them something and they were just kind of deadpan? And then they spoke. And they... Ahaz wiggled out of it. He said, i never do that. I never ma- I'll never make demands like that on God. Did he not believe that God was speaking to him? And if he did, what was he, what was he trying to do? He had all this wonderful background. He was now the king of Israel and he didn't honor the faith of his father or his grandfather or the faith of the nation in which he had been put in charge of, to look after those tribes, to look after those those homes that were given to him. Pastor Nelson was talking last week about to move into faith, you must be honest about your unbelief. Well, obviously Ahaz was not, he didn't even know it existed. He was in the greatest denial. I guess, that you could ever come to. Be honest about your unbelief. See, engage with him. Engage with God because he's already engaged with you. You can say, well, it seems like the heavens are silent. It seems like there's a, 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 the heavens are brass. You hear these kinds of things. It seems like God's not listening and, and poor me, why would he want to listen to me and we get in we get into that thing of you know kind of knocking ourselves down when we stand in a place as a Christian as a son or daughter of God. To move into faith you must you face to move into faith you must be honest about your unbelief. And I believe that obedience is a tangible tangible response of a good heart, of a surrendered heart. It's not this, like, in our society, well, I might do that, but I need to understand about it first. Just let me understand it first and I'll do that. That's the way Western society thinks. For the most part if I understand it I might do it I might do it right but it's not it doesn't work that way if I understand first I will will obey God but it was with it was with Isaiah he said here I am send me If I understand first, and I will obey, Lord, you know, we're kind of buddies, we're kind of friends, that is not surrender. Here I am, send me. A response of a good heart, a surrendered heart. That's obedience. And going back to that quote earlier, God is ready to assume full responsibility for a life wholly yielded to him. So what do you got to worry about? What do you got to worry about, mom and dad, when you're facing some tough situations in your home, you have to confront your children, or uh, you know, you have to discipline your children, and you say, well, I'm just going to wait a while. You know, I'll wait a while and see, you know, kind of see if they come around. But maybe they need that discipline right now. They need that, and, and they need that support right now. They need to be moved into the right uh, column, the right lane right now because they got off on the, on the, into the bushes. Look how Isaiah confronts Ahaz. In the next verses. Then Ahaz said, listen well you royal family of David. He's talking to Ahaz. He's talking right there about the responsibility that Ahaz had over these over these tribes and the families. This wasn't this wasn't just politics. This was the you royal family of David. He was the lineage of David, the greatest king that Israel, Israel and Judah, but the whole, they were all together then, that they knew. The greatest king. Then then Isaiah says this, isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Uh, That statement says Isaiah had had enough of this guy too. Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? The Israelites had a great history and some very uh, terrible things happened to them because they exhausted the patience of God. Isn't it good we have Jesus to come to? God doesn't get ex- exhausted. Don- God doesn't get impatient with us. and He's not impatient with you. He loves you. But he uses the scriptures in the Old Testament to warn us to come to God, come to grace. Get under, so be it, his covering. Then Isaiah says, all right then, Uh, The Lord Himself will give you a sign. He goes deep into this whole thing of the lineage of David because He begins to prophesy. The very first prophecy that Isaiah gives about the Messiah, about Messiah coming, about Jesus coming to Earth, is this: the Lord will give you the sign. It seems like this is how how uh, in depth this. Talk to Ahaz was, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You talk about the coal being taken off the altar and put to his lips, and he spoke the word of God, and he spoke this thing this, in, a, in a timely way because he's talking to this guy about your lineage, And he's talking to him about Jesus is in your lineage. And he's going to come as Emmanuel, God with us, and you stand there with a blank look on your face, so to speak. So we have the depth of surrender, the decision of obedience. he said, you've forgotten God, Ahaz. We move on to the, into the next prophecy. Isaiah 9, 1 and 2. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, that's part of the tribes of Israel, will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Do you realize how specific this prophecy, written between 700 and 680 uh, B.C., how specific it is. And when we read that, you know, God is specific with us. You say, well, 8 billion people on the planet, uh, we're talking about the God who made the universe. We're talking about the God who spoke uh, spoke the earth, the universe into existence. He says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a deep darkness, a light will shine. This is first to, the, uh, to uh, the people of Judah. And actually to Israel too, but they had broken apart. Divided into two nations. And are at war with one another. And really, David's tribe moves on, the tribe of Judah. And he's talking here about the deep darkness. He's talking not about the darkness that the, that the light broke forth on the night that Jesus came, and the shepherds were out there in the darkness. They didn't have any street lights. They didn't have any lights in there, you know, on, on their flocks. They were fearful. They were about just the natural things and along comes this light and the angels appear and their words are this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Very similar line, isn't it? They, they, they said to them, fear not, for, I behold, for behold I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So the darkness wasn't, wasn't going to be, uh, this child was not going to get Uh, dispel the darkness of only Israel, Judah he was going to dispel the darkness by the work on the cross of all people you say well we have a lot of darkness well we're going to get to that we do have a lot of darkness but Jesus' peace comes uh, one person at a time he has a plan See, it wasn't just about giving a group of shepherds. He wanted to talk to the shepherds because they were probably the lowliest people in the land. He's, you know, he talks to them first. Not to, he doesn't come talk to kings when he came, first came to this earth. He wanted to reveal his true nature to us, dying on the cross, coming as a baby, dying on the cross. We'll read on. Wonderful. Uh, The government will rest on his shoulders. I say, well, I'm really glad about that because it's a little questionable sometimes. But remember, that government is not a government of a nation. Nations will fall. It's the rule. The rule of God will rest upon the shoulders. The kingdom of God is where the king rules. The government will rest upon his shoulders. He's in charge. You may be lifting a, uh, trying to lift a heavy load right now. There's lots of heavy loads, I believe, in this room right now that you're lifting. You might have brought them to church with you this morning. There's heavy loads. There's things that only God's government, only his rule, only him you relating to him and loving him and being in touch with him, only those things can be changed by that. Not by the government. Only by his rule. And only as we surrender and follow him and obey. Jesus said, come to me all you who are laden and heavy heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, take take my help upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For for a lot of Israel's history as a nation, they had a lot of people oppressing them. They had a lot of heavy lifting, and they had to look to God. And sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. Come to me, and I will give you rest, Jesus said. Dad, Mom, here this morning. Is the heavy lifting getting heavier? The heavy lifting gets heavier if you've got little kids now. It gets heavier when teenagers come along. It really does. There's more decisions to make. There's different things we have to uh, uh, lead them into and different influences that come upon them. But the heavy lifting of a family, the heavy lifting, home at last. We're home. And God wants you to come into your home so you help you with that heavy lifting. He will be called the Wonderful Counselor. Can we, can you imagine, sometimes it's really hard to understand how extraordinary his counsel is, but probably many, many of us in this room have had some of that counseling at one time in. Your life he's come and he's spoken to you <clears throat> he's talked to you even, even in depth just kind of even an impression in here and he said this is what you need to do That's is why you know the for a Christian the the matter of the thing is that he says well pray about everything because it's in prayer when we get his counsel so, because we're, we're living in a time where either we, well, we can figure it out. We'll just, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Or, we're living in a time where, because, you know, we, we'll get an expert. Let me look it up on Google. Uh, you know, there's some great, uh, great people running podcasts. We'll listen to those. I'm not saying that you shouldn't listen to, uh, you know, preachers and messages and things like that. I'm just saying, um, you, don't, you have to bring the expert in all the time. When you got the expert, 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 the one who created the expert. Or we run here and there, like I said, for the answers. We go, there's an attitude in our society, well, I really want to be loved. Will you agree with me? I'll feel so much better. That isn't the answer that the wonderful counselor gives us. In fact, the wonderful counselor, Jesus said this. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. We have the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, who is called to alongside of us and it, it is in us to give us the counsel. And we need it in this day. We need it in these dark days. That's why Jesus is referred to as the wonderful Counselor, who God sent the Holy Spirit by His name, through His name, and then we have the Mighty God, the Mightiest. He's the Mightiest One to fight for His people. He talks about the armies of uh, uh, in here of the. Uh, he's the Lord of the armies. The mightiest. You know, forget your Marvel superheroes. (laughs) Forget those guys. They're Greek myths. That's all they are. We have Jesus Christ who fought the battle on the cross so you wouldn't have to. He set you free. You can't set yourself free. He's the mighty God. He's also the everlasting Father. He's the forever Father. And maybe you didn't have opportunity to have a father that was a great example or that that did the heavy lifting, so to speak, that showed you how to be a man And loved you as a daughter, as a princess. He's the forever father. The one who exercises his care over us. Remember, in the beginning, God, he was the father who created. The everlasting father. He's also... The Prince of Peace. We're talking about these things. Remember the prophecy of Isaiah foretelling 700 years before Jesus would come as a babe in the manger and would be and and was this wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. That's the Messianic name for for Jesus. Is Prince of Peace? You think, well, Prince? Why isn't he the King of Peace? But that was the Messianic name that they related to. The Prince of Peace. You know, that song from, uh, is it uh, Sleeping Beauty? Someday my prince will come. Is it Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, I think it is. Not Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. Um, One day my prince will come. He has come. And he is the prince of peace. Jesus doesn't just bring peace. Jesus is peace. I remember one time, um, this was about 30 years ago. Sorry to bother you with this old story. Um, Anyway, a a pastor friend of mine in the town about 30 miles away, in Saskatchewan, by the way, uh, he had this bumper sticker. He was actually the Anglican minister in the town 30 miles from me. He had this bumper sticker on his little red car, which was, it was like, is a little red car right it said no jesus n o jesus no peace n o peace no jesus k n o w uh no peace k n o w That i don't know if, if i think maybe that brought some offense to some people it was you know but it's, it's actually a very true statement. There is no peace of God until there is peace with God. It's one person at a time. And maybe you can think of one person this morning that doesn't know, K-N-O-W, the peace of God. Maybe you know a neighbor Maybe you know a coworker. Maybe you know someone. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a, a, a friend. Maybe maybe um, you know they mow their lawn the wrong way beside you in their in their in, you know they don't do it right or something. But they don't know the peace of God. Linda gave a beautiful example of her sister this morning just took those pamphlets and you could take them to doors that you don't even know you don't even you don't know the people you don't know even what their their state is in you don't know what goes on behind those closed doors you don't know the darkness you don't know the hurt you don't know the loss but you can take a little leaflet and you know and say well and pray talk to God about it, he'll use it, and they could come. That could be your little thing you could do, and they could come to uh, one of our service here, particularly the Christmas Eve service. That is, you see, God is in the details, right? God is in the details. You want to work out the details? Well, I have to get to know them. I have to be kind of friendly. I'll have them over supper. No, no, no. God is in the details. Because God was in the details of your life when he called you. When uh, when you first found Christ and someone led you to Christ. He was in the details. And I've shared my testimony up here uh, a few times about... uh, how i became a christian he was so much in the details of my life when that when that happened you know it I, oh. he's in the details christian because by grace you have been saved through faith by grace through faith and you know, there might be somebody in here this morning or somebody Uh, online, you're watching this and you've never committed your life to Christ but God is very specific, he knows you he wants you to come to him these prophecies are written 700-600 to BC, an advanced look of life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want to read them to you right now i 'll read you with read, uh, read them they 're full of details about the passion of the Son of God isaiah chapter fifty three maybe the one of the most outstanding chapters and there 's so much detail in it there 's so much good stuff in there. Read it because the babe became the man on the cross. He grew up. We don't know that much about his childhood. We know that he grew in stature and favor with God. We knew he went and talked to a bunch of priests in the temple and with his, and with his uh, uh, knowledge of God and, and he blew them away. We know that. And we know what his purpose was. It was to redeem. He had a redeeming purpose. I want to read this scripture to you. If you want to bow your head, you can because it's, it might be be something you just need to settle in a bit, think about. Isaiah 53. 53.3, 53.3, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment or the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Just to think about that. We are the reason that he was wounded. That he was bruised, that he was punished, that he was pierced. Because of our transgressions, our iniquities, for our peace and for our healing, he was wounded. Come home. That's what it's about. It's about coming home to him. He is our home. We'll not always live on this earth, you know. Just not many years from now, none of us here, I guess 70 or 80, will be in this place. We won't be here, but we will be at home. And God wants to help us, He wants to help us, in a sense. He wants to help us um, populate heaven, so to speak. Let's stand this morning together in prayer. This morning, as we bow our heads, I want to first say this, for those of us that don't have the peace of God, for those of you. you've never known of it. You've never made peace with God. You need the Prince of Peace. You need Jesus. You need to turn your life over to him. You need to surrender your ways to him. You can take this prayer here this morning and pray it with me, whether you're watching on screen or here in the auditorium. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. Today I turn from my sins and I ask you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray, amen. And Christians, Christian here, you're here this morning. I've talked about surrender, I've talked about obedience and I've talked about the life of uh, of uh, Isaiah and how much, and, and, and the purpose and God has left you. You know, when we become Christians, we think we think maybe, well, why wouldn't He just take us to heaven? But He's left us on mission for Him into obedience, not obedience so I don't get in trouble. Not obedience so God, you know, I got to try to do this obedience to make God love me. That's not it. It's by grace you're saved through faith. But it's obedience that says, here I am, send me. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this great book of Isaiah and that ministry that you did in his life. Thank you for the promises, the promises that come right down in very, very uh, detail of how you would come. And Lord, we thank you this Christmas. We don't just look into the manger and see a baby. We look into the manger and we see our redemption. That you would go to the cross for even me. Lord, this morning I pray for Christians here. I pray that they would know that you have them. You've got them. The worries, the anxieties, the fears of the future. You can still say, here I am. Take me. Use me. Believe your beliefs. And doubt your doubts. Commit to your commitments. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this congregation. May they be present in their situations. May they come home to you and be present in their own homes, in their own life situations, in in their relationships, in their marriages. Here I am with your kids' lives, in our communities with our neighbors, in how we do business. I just pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780 539 0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.